Greetings, welcome to RLM TV. God bless you guys. Welcome back. So this is our second day here in Miami, Florida, getting established, uh, breaking through wrestling principalities and all the fun stuff that goes with building and forward advancement of God's kingdom. And I'd say we're having an absolutely brilliant time in the glory. <laughs> it's the been really fun. You said it's the greatest increase of glory you've ever experienced. Since coming to Miami, yes. Today? Uh, well, specifically since Jesus came down the lightning path. Yeah. Amen. We got the Lord Jesus visiting us here, and uh, we're learning how to steward what God has given us. Some people are going to have to learn real quick. You're going to need to learn really quick if you're rising. People are playing games. The Father has been... It's been really a wild roller coaster of emotions, honestly. The Father's anger has been burning so much in the last, I would say, several weeks. It's been a while, it's been increasing. The prophets have seen these things in the heavens, but understand this is a time everyone's gonna have to stop playing games. Uh, the spirits of, you know, spirits of mocking, church age, kind of that crusty spirit that keeps you in the old thing, even if, you know, what was the problem with the people who couldn't enter the promised land? This is what the Father wants to deal with in a lot of hearts because judgments are coming down the mountain in 2024. It's unavoidable. You can't escape it. You might as well embrace it, but there's no point in embracing it if you don't actually change. Things are going to shift in a very dramatically negative way for many people, regardless of if you decide to rise on the sapphire stones or not. I know this is the most important thing in your life is rising on sapphire stones i feel the fire now but it is not the end all be all of all things that god expects you to change if you go up sapphire stones and circumcise and christ is formed in you but yet you continue in the old mindsets and the old ways clinging to the church age and what was acceptable behavior during the glory stream it's not going to go very well for you and so i want everyone to know that and understand that because you know, as uh, those who are in intercession, as I'm in intercession for, you know, the babies, everyone climbing the sapphire stones is essentially a baby. I'm very tiny myself compared to, you know, what is going to be in the future. The fear of the Lord is not something you can throw away as you begin to learn righteousness. Let's say you've got a few rungs. Let's say like for me, I've gone up many worlds you cannot let go of the fear of the Lord. If you lose the fear of the Lord, it doesn't matter how many rungs you have. You can complete 10 worlds. And if you lose the fear of the Lord, it's basically, it's essentially pointless. Now, I know some people might not like to hear that because they want a, uh, a quick fix solution. They want to just give me a formula. I go up, I go up, I go up, and everything's just going to be just fine. Well, yes and no. What's the point? God wants to get the Egypt out of you. He wants to get the Egypt out of us. And what is that Egypt? None other than your glory stream, Pentecostal Christianity, charismatic Christianity, drunken glory Christianity, and all the thoughts and the habits and the speech patterns, the way of thinking and acting toward each other is what he wants to incinerate in his fire. And that fire is coming down the mountain to a sapphire stone near you, and it starts with the top. So 
as I go up and I endure judgments of the Lord and embrace the changes he wants to make, the very next people it's going to hit, it'll be the people highest in the Sephirot, then all the way down to the lower worlds, and all the way down into Malkut. And it usually will begin with the heights of the Sephirot and then those who are closest to the apostleship. So understand, embrace the change. The Father does not desire that anyone should perish or that anyone should be harmed. He desires that you change. The problem right now is that most people, even those who understand righteousness, even those who are rising, that's good. You're making steps. You cannot keep that old culture within you or you will not survive. You will not walk into the measure of destiny that God has called you to. If you keep the Egypt, everyone died in the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Is it something you're coming out of physically or is it something that's still in you? So it has to be on the outside, but more importantly, it has to be on the inside. And that's a decision that you still make even when you ascend many worlds. You have to actively choose that. It's not autopilot. None of this is automatic autopilot. We, right, we can't leave the fear of the Lord, shift into easy mode. Now I've got it made. Now whatever I do is not going to be sin. I have 10 worlds, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work like that. The kingdom of heaven gives you the opportunity to choose who you will serve and choose who you want to be. And you face these decisions as you go up. I want you to be encouraged, not discouraged, but understand that it's, it's usually the people who are in the fear of the Lord, who are the ones terrified, they don't want to make the wrong decisions. And it's usually the people who think, I've got it made, I'm doing good, I'm doing great, are the ones who are usually in the most amount of danger and refuse to realize it. So understand we put ourselves in danger when we cling to Egypt, even after the circumcision. When we cling to the old nature, even while it's gone. The Lord showed it to me like this. He showed me, have you ever heard of the story of elephants? When they tie, when they put a stake in the ground and they chain an elephant with a rope to it, it can only go in a circumference, right? That circle is the only life it knows. It can't go any farther than that. It stays within that limitation. But what happens once the elephant is used to that, if they cut the rope, they release its, its bonds. Guess what? Where does it go? It stays in the same place. It never leaves Egypt. Why? Even though it's free. Let's say now I've gone up in circumcision. I'm free. Well, yes, that's been cut. But why are you still living that way? And that's not true freedom. So you can go up rungs and still be lacking in true freedom if you cling to the old nature and the old speech patterns, habits, ways of dealing with others. And that's what God wants to burn out. That's going to be the only difference if, you know, the Moseses, the Joshuas, the Caleb's can make it into the promised land and understand that the glorification of the people's stories in the Bible. Some of you, you have very similar lives to people in the Bible in the sense that you, it looks like you play out the same stories. You look at what happened in your life and then you look in the Bible and it's almost the exact same pattern that you see in these people, just a different day and an age and circumstance. Why is that? It's because they're being, they're waiting to be made perfect together with us. So oftentimes you'll notice the ending is a little bit different 
than what you read as far as the happy ending, the glorified story, the elevation of that person's soul happens by you being one with the body of Christ, as in you playing your part, making the decision that they wish they would have made in their time. And what that does is it increases the rewards of the saints in heaven. And it there's an elevation of the body of Christ to the next level. So understand what then is the glorification of a story of a leadership like Moses. It would be him going into the promised land, right? It would be him not having to die in the wilderness. It would be the people not having to die in the wilderness, but being able to enter into the promised land. Why couldn't they do that? Unbelief, right? The spirit of uh, mocking, the spirit of unbelief, those keep God's people from truly receiving correction to get the Egypt out. So that's what we have to be tender hearted toward. And that's going to be, you know, the reason why, you know, some people, some of you, you may rise in righteousness, but never enter the promised land physically. What does it say in the oral tradition of Moses about those people who died in the wilderness? It said they were of Bina, which was concealed, hidden. It wasn't, they weren't able to enter into that revealed promised land, which means they couldn't inherit it physically. Just die and go to heaven to like you're wrong that you have and never actually walk in it in this life. And so it's not just, if I go up, then I can get it. Well, no, yes and no, you have to. That's so go good. Up. Two different groups there in the Exodus of mm -hmm. Moses, the ones that died in the wilderness, they got saved out of Egypt, that's spiritual salvation. Mm -hmm. The ones that went in the promised land inherited in the natural and in the spiritual mm -hmm. both. They're the ones who got Egypt out of them. Mm -hmm. And so, so pretty much every one of you at the sound of my voice, like top to bottom, the Egypt has to come out of us. It has to come out or we're not gonna walk in it physically. And so the fear of the Lord, uh, avoid the spirit of anger. It's not someone else had confirmation, like two other people had confirmations that don't, you know, curse the spirit of anger. We talked about that highlight the other day. May my uh, mercy and compassion override my anger. The spirit of mocking is so dangerous. That one's really prevalent, like in the drunken glory, uh, in the charismatic, or like even in like the nice, like clean shaven uh, charismatic culture churches where they're all like dressed like hipsters. They have good music, they have the coffee and the food, and they're organized. They have really good stuff, but there's this kind of weird thing where it's like they always kind of have these worldly joking where like you take it's it's like joking at someone else's expense. I think there's a lot of haughtiness in yeah, the church. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's, what it is is haughtiness everywhere. Yeah, so the we gotta repent of haughtiness. Uh, there's this like that spirit. It, it's the mocking spirit hides. It likes to pretend to be like Christian culture, like making fun at someone else's expense. And then if they're if this Holy Spirit is not pleased with that activity, then they reject that as like, oh, well, you're offended, and then just like attacking. So it's baiting, accusing, and attacking. That will cost you everything in 2024. So it's time to get serious. It's time to get those habits out. Really start to analyze every... This is one of the keys for my success in rising. Really analyze. I analyze every single thing I say and do every single day, every moment of every day. And I know that some people, oh, I can't do it. It's too much. I just want to shift. I just want to, uh, you know. No. And this is the sages write about in the oral tradition of Moses. All the Kabbalist sages uh, who are worth anything, who've written anything that's lasted over thousands of years. This is their same advice. You've got to constantly analyze what you do. Why am I eating what I'm eating right now? What am I doing? What am I, the, when I speak to someone, I analyze my hidden intentions. 
What could possibly be in there? Is there good fruit? Is there bad fruit? Never blame anyone else. Only analyze your own self and speak life. Uh, because it's not about cultures, it's not about forms, it's not about being right, it's about being righteous. And so if you can get that every moment of every day, continually with the Holy Spirit, analyzing what was, even if you said something perfectly, constantly analyze for what sin is in there. Because if you've got four skins, there was surely some sin in there, definitely. Even if you think you're being perfect. And when you come to that realization, it's not a beat yourself up ministry. It's having fun together with the Lord, cleansing your entire life, which is your speech. When your thought and your speech agree, because you've constantly refined it with the Lord, and even you can you can speak your most imperfect intentions, then go with him and say, where's the hidden wicked intention that's hiding in there? And I know for some people, it seems like that sounds like a lot. That's called establishing communication with YHVH, Yahweh, Jesus Christ, Yahweh, Jehovah, you know, Josh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's c communicating with him in your daily, everyday routines. And so I know there's a lot of things to practice and go on, but I really want you guys to get this because I want you guys to be the ones who actually walk into the promised land, you know, together with me. I know I have pro personal promises in my life. When you get to certain agreements with God, there are certain letters that he gives that cannot be destroyed or altered, no matter what anyone else does or says. So I know I have personal promises. There's also promises for the company. And, you know, I do the best I can in intercession and prayer but it comes down to you guys. It comes down to what are you gonna choose? And for most of you, don't think that it's like some big thing you gotta go out and do. It's mainly at work, how you talk to people and how you respond and what you engage in or not, or what you participate with. And at home, if you are harsh or if you are bitter or anger or mocking in any way, or if you are tender, if you are loving your family, that's literally what it comes down to. It's based your basic mundane interactions with everyone every day. That's your testing ground. It's not like then someday when I make it big and I and I'm a CEO or I'm a pastor or what no. You right now at your minimum wage job. You right now with your dysfunctional family like today, yesterday. Yep. You're already being tested by for your rungs and you don't realize it. And even if you have rungs, you're being tested in that thing that's beyond, it's within the rungs, but it's deeper than just the rungs. And it's the intention, it's the attitude and how you treat each other. That is gonna be the difference between who enters the promised land or not. So I just wanna make that really clear for you guys so you can like take your notes, revisit it, and start practicing, encourage each other because human nature wants to act in the wrong way all the time. It's the knee-jerk reaction. The, the, you have a thought that comes in your mind, you want to say it, you want to do it, you want to make fun of people, you, whatever it is you want to do. You've got to resist the natural reaction. Reel it in, like reel, get your, just reel it in and breathe. Draw in the Ruach HaKadosh. Give me the Lashon HaKadosh. Pray that, give me the Lashon HaKadosh. And analyze why you say what you say and what you say, what's really speaking through you. What is it? And try to get to that thing that's beyond just rising in sapphire stones. And you're going to get it and you're going to walk into the promised land.
We need to understand seed time and harvest in a more mature way. If you cling to last season's fruitfulness and didn't take the seed out of the fruit of previous seasons of anything you've experienced in God, you'll still have nothing this season. <laughs> so what I see here in 10 years of leading the Drunken Glory movement is people cling to old seasonal successes and experiences with God, but they haven't sown anything into the new season. And so they're not even here. They're not even relevant. They're not even walking with God. You're wa what you have is the fruit of what God did in the past. But if you don't sow the seed from that fruit in today, as it's right. written, today's the day of salvation and hearing the word of God. So you receive that fresh seed today. If you are not sowing it into what God's doing, it is a higher mm -hmm. elevation. It is a higher intoxication. It is a higher high in the heights of Jacob's ladder, ascending worlds, that the drunken glory movement, the pinnacle of the charismatic church of 50 years and the pinnacle of the prophetic as we've known it in this generation, that is even lower than the floor of what God is doing now. So we have people like in the basement area clinging to a stash of old seasonal fruit mm -hmm. that think that they're going to be successful in what God's doing today. I tell you the truth, those people are in the worst possible place of clinging to the old things of God. This is like holding on to yesterday's bread and it turned to maggots. It turned to worms in their hands, guys. So we need to be relevant now. This is not a decrease in joy. It's a sowing of the seed of the joy of the Lord, the sowing of, the, of a greater intoxication, a better wine in the future, in the Garden of Eden, which is not on the earth, but in the higher dimensions of Jacob's ladder. And if we are not investing in those rungs, even what you have, Jesus Christ said, if you turn back, you're not worthy of me, will be lost, which means you will lose all successes of all previous seasons if you don't stay with the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night in what he is doing right now. That is so critical for being a disciple. There are so many movements. This is how denominations tur turn into demon nations. Listen, I'll say it again. Denominations turn into demon nations because they stopped following the cloud into the new and unknown of God, and they clung to what God was doing yesterday. All of them, I tell you the truth, all of them have been handed over to principalities. I have seen entire denominations serving principalities in ignorance and the main reason why is because they stopped moving forward and they settled in what God did in the past. Some of these denominations today that don't even receive the Holy Spirit and say speaking in tongues is demonic. They were the cutting edge pioneering work of the Holy Spirit 400, 300, 200, 500 years ago. And today, they're like dead men's bones. They're like graveyards. So th let this be a lesson to you because a lot of people in the charismatic church, they all think they're on the front lines. They all think they're relevant with God. He's doing such a fresh thing. If you are not being challenged and irritated into a further place in the depths of God that's beyond your little doctrines and theologies that you agree with, you're not even growing anymore. So a lot of the leaders have stopped challenging themselves into unknown territory of God. Whew. 
that's a very dangerous place. Those judgments that are coming from the throne of the Father is to remove the barriers for people to go into higher heights of God. And the main thing holding them back are the leaders that won't become controversial because they've settled for people-pleasing, wanting an inheritance more with men than an inheritance with God the Father. Woe to you. That's why I keep changing, you know. If I, this applies even to me. If I didn't keep changing, I wouldn't be eligible to be able to survive and live during the millennial reign of Christ. So basically, the highest heights I've gotten to isn't even like the basement or the floor, basically, of the millennial reign. Not acceptable. And so understand the standard that God has for the future world, the new earth and new heavens, is so high. No one's even really close to that yet. So I'm repenting and continuing to repent to meet the standard of heaven. And the terror of the Lord comes upon me and I feel the severity of judgments. So understand it's like you can't just go up. You do have you have to go up. And I say that too because like you can be really close with the Holy Spirit and the earth and have a lot of joy and have a lot of love and experience God more intimately than maybe like some of the Joshua's and Caleb's. They're not like the wilderness people are not a people of the intimacy of the Lord. They want to be, but they're not. And I say that with a lot of love and a lot of compassion. You don't really know intimacy with the Lord. Uh, The young people, the youth army, that's all they know. I've met them in the spirit. I've met some of them in heaven. And we do have a few of them around uh, that are coming. They know they know the Holy Spirit intimacy. They have the freedom and the childlike fun. And the first I remember, I was going to tell you guys uh, the first time I met one of these of the youth army, and they're very precious. I was taken into a vision in the night in a dream, and I saw one, and it was in the form of like a little girl, just on fire with the Holy Spirit, but not like a really physical fire, but the inward burning, just having fun with the Holy Ghost, a pure child just like sledding off uh, in the distance, just having fun, but being chased by a lot of enemies, but having just the time of their lives. I mean, these are children of the Lord. They love the Holy Ghost. They've been mothered by the Holy Ghost since birth. A lot of them, their parents didn't really mother or father them, but the Holy Spirit did. And And they're not religious at all. Most of them did not grow up in church or they left at some point. They have intimacy with the Holy Spirit on a level uh, every one of you who have been like walking with us and even us that we don't really comprehend or fathom I walk I walk and I've walked in measures of it so we're kind of like it's like a I've, the Lord's made me kind of like a bridge in between generations uh, because we need both we need the wisdom of both and I want you to understand this the youth army they're precious they have the love of God but they're vulnerable I saw them you know basically kind of like sliding off they're slowing down because the joy of the Lord as a child, it can only get you so far. And it's it was dangerous, becoming very dangerous for her. And I have a special way of moving about dimensions that I was able to come and say, okay, come with me. You need to come here. And what does that mean? Follow me, come and follow me. And I'll make you pictures of men. I'll, I'll get you on the Sephiroth. So I take her to where the evergreen trees are. Less and less people, and that's basically the place of instruction uh enoch's 14 trees evergreen we know that's you getting seven souls to match the seven spirits of god those are the evergreen trees of wisdom and righteousness and so when i spoke to one of these their their whole body became the flame of fire that they had on the inside right so it's not just enough to be like the pure child 
fun and joy and the intimacy of the Holy Ghost. You gotta be a warrior, right? You have to be strong. You have to be incorruptible. You have to be unmovable, unshakable, and unbeatable when it comes to dealing with the enemy. You have to tough, like, get a buck, buck up, buckwheat. You gotta toughen up. It's that rock solid feelings and yeah. emotions that are not <laughs> in the nefesh of the animal, but are in the rock solidness mm -hmm. of the Word of God that remains forever. That solid rock that you build with is the main anchor for soul, which is mind, will, and emotions. And if your feelings and emotions are not anchored into the rock that is Christ and His Word, the demons can pull you in all directions and you can never do what God's asking you to do because you're in hiatus. Right, so this essentially, the Josh, this is where the Joshua's and Caleb's come in. Joshua's and Caleb's, they might be the wilderness people and they've got their own struggles. We already know those. We've ta we talk about those mainly in all of our episodes. And even for the last 20 years that Brandon's been working on, it's been dealing with that in the people. Uh, but despite their shortcomings, you know, if you're a part of the youth army, you're a young one. You're one of the young, in your the innocence comes more naturally to you. Uh, you know, you're not really like a wilderness Christian. You're in the joy of the Holy Ghost. You've been in personal revival and the love of God for as long as you can remember your born again life, right? Uh, and this is very few people that are here with us right now. There's not many more are coming. We're going to have a lot more of them, but until until the group is ready to handle them and not kill them, because unfortunately, the Joshua and Caleb companies, to be Joshua and Caleb out of that company of wilderness, you have to stop being a hunter. Right? You cannot hunt. You cannot mock these kids. You cannot uh, steal from them. You cannot pray witchcraft prayers. Like I know a lot of people, you can't just go up the Sephiroth and get circumcised and then still go back to like praying your own will and your own prayers and being hunters, calling it righteousness because you do have righteousness. It's just like the old, that's worse red magic than even like Balaam sorcery, which would get you literally killed. So that's a reason why God hasn't really brought a lot of the kids around yet. So just understand there's the refinements so we can train the youth army. It's the early stages need, of establishing righteousness. Yeah. This is the era of reform. So it has to be the end of the end of false love, especially for our wilderness people. Like, I'm not a wilderness. Yeah, okay, come on, Buckwheat. You'll be okay. You're going to come out of the wilderness. Coming out of the wilderness. Leaning on your beloved. So, but understand, God wants to merge the generations and bring the youth army. But you can't really do that yet until we make some changes. And this is that time of reform. You have to be pure. You have to get the false love out of you. You have to hate Jezebel's tower. Hate Lilith. Hate Jezebel below. Hate Lilith above. And uh, Angel. Bam. That's what I'm talking Amen. about. Come on. That kill that bitch out of the sky just go you know <laughs> it's gonna be good and uh, so you got to get the false love out and all the emotional like fornication the desire for the heavenly things some people it's just like i just need to go up 10 weeks so that i can have a big party with people all around me and all these young cute people and then we can all just be in love with each other and you're like uh you do realize that was satan's thing he told you in heaven he was going around trying to make happen saying promising all this extra love that you think you needed more love than what God was going to provide for you in heaven. And you still want that in your innermost being. And so that's why you're still like Satan, even after learning righteousness. A lot of people are like that. They have this thing in their spirit, man. They still want what Satan told them would be his version of heaven. So if your version of heaven on earth looks like what Satan's version of what he's saying he was going to do to heaven was, you got some repentance to do, Buckwheat. So yeah, keep going. It's not about that. So hate false love at the highest levels. There's the hating at the Jezebel level, the Lilith level, and then the false shepherd of Satan level, and then Moloch and Pan and all that. So just hate false love. Go for purity. Be like a child. Be like the youth army. 
who are more like children. They, they, they're not struggling so much with the purity. Uh, some of them, some of them have that issue, but uh, you know, moving on, we had to merge the generations. So young buckwheats coming in, those of you who are in the youth army, you're in that second category. You're passionate with the Holy Ghost. You're innocent like a child that comes naturally to you. You still got foreskins and you got to get circumcised. I know you've chosen with your will to be innocent and childlike, but unless you get circumcised, you're still going to be at risk for being corrupted. So you've got to get the circumcisions and understand you're not better than the wilderness people. That could easily happen to you. If you just grow up and you don't get circumcised, that will happen to you. You're not better than them. You're blessed. You've made good choices. You're of a different generation. But unless you want the same thing to happen to you, it's time to get circumcised so that it can be permanent and not just a constant like using your will against the foreskins that you have. So again, it's humility, the fear of the Lord, obedience, circumcision, going up wrongs. It's all of those things. So, you know, wilderness, growing up out of the wilderness, Joshua's and Caleb's, don't hate the little kids. Little kids, respect your elders. Understand they went through some things that are so horrifying, you cannot possibly imagine what they've been through. And the fact that they're even trying after that is literally a miracle. So get some grace and love for them. They've been through hell and back in a handbasket, and it's not pretty. And if you were in your sh their shoes, you probably would not have survived physically, maybe spiritually. So remember, we can't judge. God knows what everyone's been through. I know you've been through a lot too, but understand it's a merging of the generations. And for that to happen, which is God's will, it's his will, there's gotta be changes. So we got to love one another. And this is how you can do it. I want you to see it now in this perspective. It's not a, you know, not to point out your problems. You can look at my problems for a second. When I'm, when I was meeting these kids, these, you know, in my encounters with the youth army, I have what they need and they have what I need. They have, you know, they have what you need and you have in measurements what they need. But if you attack them, and that's why God is, um, one of the reasons God's put me in my position that I'm in now is because I don't attack them, right? I'm not a hunter. I refuse to hunt. People hunt me, I don't hunt them. I, you know, eventually, you know, God's vengeance, his wrath, if that's the reason, like, don't hunt me. Seriously, it's not because I don't feel like dealing with it, even though I don't feel like deal dealing with it. It's because the higher I go, the more likely it is to get you killed. And I don't want you to die, but I'm not going to hunt you. But if you continue to hunt me, God's going to kill you. <laughs> so anyway, putting that aside, that's uh, not in my nature. It's not in God's nature to hunt his children. So you've got to understand their rising is not your demotion. That whole Bible verse, let me just take the, the demonic out of the charismatic age interpretation of this Bible verse where God elevates one and puts down another. You know what I'm talking about? That when one ra he raises one up and puts down another. What that is in the oral tradition of Moses that explains it perfectly is that God lifts up the kingdom of holiness and he puts down the kingdom of the other side. It's only kingdoms. So it's not about, well, God's raising me up and putting the other person down. No, God, when God raised me up, he started to raise all of you up. Why? The whole kingdom. The whole kingdom. So that's one of the demon doctrines of the church mm -hmm. age to keep people hunting each other is, well, if they go up, I go down. Powerful. No, a demon told you that. 
It's only the kingdom of holiness. So if when one of you rises, everyone rises in a way. If you're in the kingdom of holiness, it's only the kingdom of wickedness goes down and it comes down to bread and incense. Get your notes, bread and incense. Bread and incense against the fornication, against the lust, against the evil impulse, which is the kingdom of the other side. So when you get the bread and the incense, the kingdom of holiness rises and the kingdom of the unholiness of the clippeth sinks down. And once they sink down low enough, they're going to be cut off out of the earth into the eternal cosmic abyss forever sealed off from all worlds, mm. which is ideal. That's what we want. Amen. So it's a, a great purging and cleansing of all wrongdoing and everything of hell and the curse of the fall. One, one thing that I think will help you people in explaining all of this is the irritation that the soul feels is the beginning of embracing circumcision. Instead of resisting it, you go into it. Now, let's talk about the wisdom of the circumcision of the heart portrayed in John the Baptist. John the Baptist and his movement made straight the way of the Lord. Okay? So that symbolizes in these days making straight the way of the Lord in our hearts. Okay, he's coming through us before he comes to us. There needs to be a straight way in the heart. The straight way is called the sephirot. The straight way is Jacob's ladder. The Christian must learn the straight and narrow way of ascension of worlds inside their heart. Otherwise, they'll be stuck in the earth dimension, which is called the valley of the shadow of death where the dry bones are which means you'll be in dry bones Christianity. And when you're in dry bones Christianity, that's when they get into hunting because there's never enough. They always feel that lack and that want, and there's always that jealousy, that envy, and that strife because of the elevation and the realm that you're currently living in. So in order to find the abundance of the storehouses of the heavens, you have to discover the straight way within. And then you realize he opens the windows. He opens the doors of the heavens of the inside. And the provision comes from him through my spirit. Because that's how God created the heavens and the earth. It was spirit. It was soul. And then the natural dimension, which is what we see with the physical touch and the physical senses, is the last to get it. And so a lot of people are bottled up in the very last bottom dry bones area of the natural dimension and when you're stuck there and you're not connected to Shekinah you're not connected to our life source of God's very throne through our hearts you're just going after scraps as it's written the unbelieving nations eat the scraps off the table God didn't want any nation to eat scraps off a table they chose to do that by not having the circumcision of heart so envy and strife is a person who has not realized the glory of the way of Jesus Christ inside their own souls yet. So the revelation that's coming as daily bread to every single one of you is to awaken to Christ as your provider on the inside. Now, he will ask you to obey all kinds of things. There will be repentance. There will be shaking and shifting and sifting and moving of all kinds of things. Just like you understand a river of John the Baptist was moving tons of water through Israel. When they went down, it symbolized their old life of death being taken away. It was washed away in the flow and the, the, the force of energy moving in the waters. 
So circumcision is a force of removing something from your hearts and from your brains, your minds, your thoughts, your will, your emotions, your bones, your spiritual realm, the invisible realm, and your natural realm, the visible realm. All of them are continuously repented, and this is done by a people who are giving up more of the world, more of themselves, to the river. The river actually is what washes away the foreskins and the membranes. It's like a pressure washer on the inside. Now, the Pharisees would come down to the river, and John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers. Brood of viper means clinging to the old Adamic curse. They came down clothed in the Adamic curse, and they refused to get into the water. They refused to be circumcised of heart because they loved two things. The praises that came from men and the best seats in the synagogue. So it was all about an inheritance of the flesh, a serpent inheritance. You'll find the motivation for human beings as either serpent inheritance outside the river or messianic inheritance in the river. So we want to stay in that force of waters. We want to stay in the constant force that takes away the old things. Now here's the temptation. When the Pharisees would come down, they would tempt the people to come out of the water, out of the circumcision, and come back into their synagogue, into men-pleasing, with fear and saying, we will kick you out of our organized religion. And so they put a pressure of witchcraft on the people of religion. There's a religious pressure of the Antichrist to not do what is right in the river of life against the grain of the nations, against the grain of the fallen angels, against the, uh, the grain of many religious people who are only right in their own brain, but have no righteousness of the sapphire stones, zero. They're, they're the sons and daughters of the Antichrist, and they're everywhere. And the issue is the river itself will do the judging. The river, the circumcising of your heart and your mind is the vengeance. Okay, When the water overflows its banks, it'll be the water, like Jesus Christ said, the floods of the days of Noah would be the judgment of the second coming. So the water of your own circumcised hearts and minds and the actions of your natural realm by doing what's right in the eyes of the Holy Ghost against men and against women, which is honestly for their benefit later on because it'll wash them. It'll wash them in judgments. Most of them won't like it, just like the days of Noah. They were screaming to get into the ark, but they had refused the message of righteousness. He didn't just come with rain and prove himself and say, hey, it's all real, guys. Everything Noah's telling you for 65 years of teaching of righteousness is real. He didn't have signs and wonders in his ministry. He had one after 65 years of teaching. That's how it is. You must receive the teaching first and solidify yourself in the ark of his Shekinah glory on the inside, finding the narrow way. Then afterwards, signs and wonders follow, but it's too late for those who only go after the signs and wonders. You go after the teaching as it's written. Pray for your daily bread. You're praying for a teaching which will, will require a, an irritation that needs repentance in the soul to go deeper into the glory. Now make sure, as you're hearing this, this is really true, this is very accurate. Understand and notice this, that Noah's word irritated all of them. Mm -hmm. But they also tried to irritate Noah with their words. 
upward irritation up the mountain is rebellion and sin against God. So if you're trying to put that irritation, pressure, because you think you see sin in someone in a higher rung than you, that's actually your sin and your rebellion. And it will only bring severe judgment upon you. So I would encourage you, never try to do that to someone who's higher than you. It will hurt you. And there's not much I can do about it. We're coming into the days and times of judgments. I'm do, I've done all I can in prayer and intercession for everyone. And there are certain things, it's just beyond me. God's going to have his way, whether I like how, if, if it's gonna hurt someone that I care about or not, and I care about you guys. So understand if you try to apply that same thing like Noah to the masses, but upward mm -hmm. to someone higher than you, it's literally going to destroy your destiny. And so it's just the fear of the Lord, it's not acceptable anymore. Uh, like I know a lot of people treated me like that in the drunken glory, a lot of people treated me like that in the charismatic era, a lot of people treated me like that like in outer courts of Christianity. And so they got comfortable being around me. And you know, this is something God's chosen me to do and, and be for it, he's not allowing it anymore. And so when people look at the past, well I acted like that and it was fine because you're comfortable with it. It's like the stuff that's coming down the mountain now, it's going to be so severe. He doesn't care who you are, what you are, how righteous you are or not. He's just not going to put up with it anymore because what it does is it hinders uh, the kingdom age coming. And so he's just not going to put up with it anymore. So understand, you're not Noah preach you're not preaching upward to the Noahs above you. You're not Nothing works against the earth. So you're not <laughs> you're never going to be justified in putting an irritation on someone's uh, nature who's above you. It doesn't work like that. It's That's rebellion and witchcraft. Noah's word goes down to the masses, so it's going down to the people below. That's when it's acceptable, that pressure or that irritation. That's just the kingdom, rank, and order. It's how it works. Is it irritating to the soul? Yes. Does God care about your opinion? No. Does not. <laughs> Angel, yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to tell these guys. I'm trying to tell you. So I know a lot of you don't forget the message. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. And then after the broadcast is off, you just kind of go back to the same way. Tomorrow you wake up and you just kind of think, oh, it's not a big deal. That is where you're in danger. A lot of our people are in danger lately because of these things. So I want you to uh, write it down by faith. And if you want to write this in the comments, I'm going to release some angels to you right now for what you need as far as repentance and change in those areas so that you can continue to walk to that original glorious destiny that God has had you walking toward. Now, if you remember, what did we say the big changes are? It's not some big thing later on in the future. It's right now at work, right now at home, your relationships. So if the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you, but she should be revealing that to you right now. If you see it in your mind, maybe it's your family, write it in the comments. If there's an area that you want the angels to help you, you want to be held accountable to, I'm going to change in this segment of my life. Just go ahead and put it in the comments and I'm going to go ahead and release the angels to you to help you. Maybe you have it, the image in your mind. Where is it that how you act and speak toward one another, it's no longer acceptable. And if you don't let go of that, uh, you know, quickly, things are not going to be going very well for you. So I want you to hold that image in your mind. Let that be shown and revealed to you now by the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings, not to condemn you, but to change you, to help you repent. Again, you know, write it down, write it on the tablet of your heart. 
put it in the comments. Let angels be released to help you in that area. Now, a lot of times those are the strongholds people deal with because, you know, they feel their buttons pushed at home. They feel their buttons pushed at work. They feel like in the past, that's how people treated them. And so now that's how they treat others. And they don't really think about it. I think it's acceptable. It's not acceptable anymore because the culture we're going into, again, I'm not even at that level of millennial reign of Christ acceptable in my mind and my thoughts, my way of speaking and dealing with things. Is it very high? Yes, it's the highest that is currently available right now. Is that good? Yes. Am I comfortable in staying there in complacency? No. We got to keep going. So understand, we've got a lot more to change than you have any idea. A lot more. And it's going to be easy if we can get that wilderness out of the personality. So just let it go. Just let it go. And the angels be released to you to help you with that now. But I want you to write it down. It's important because when you don't write these things down, it can just be easy. You just go into the next day and you let it go. You forget about it. What is that little thing you're going to change because you love the Father and you know He loves you. He wants you to change so that you can walk into the next thing that God is doing in the earth and in the heavens. Amen. Revelation 2.16, Jesus Christ in the red letters, He says, Therefore, repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. Or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war and fight against them with the sword of my mouth in judgment. Jesus Christ said, he would make war against his own Christians. I want you to read that now. This is not something you hear in Sunday morning church services, but Jesus Christ said it in the Bible. Revelation 2.16, Jesus says, Repent or I will come and destroy you. <laughs> so we need to have repentance unto the next level of glory. We cannot settle we are at war against the lukewarm Laodicean spirit. Now, I know the Laodicean spirit, that spirit that says, don't irritate me with a higher standard outside of my comfort zone. I've already found the joy of the Lord. I've already found the new wine. I've already found signs and wonders, charismatic Christianity, blah, blah, blah. How dare you press me into righteousness now after I've discovered the things of God's glory. Listen, man, you end up a Pharisee. Pharisees loved the things of the glory. They loved all the things. That's the highest realm of the fallen angels. It is the greatest service to shake you and to get you out of that complacency because the Antichrist spirit in the world right now is the principality of the church of Laodicea. This is what we're at war against. Until we irritate this stuff like John the Baptist did in the wilderness to help people. What is the wilderness today? prophetic people of Christ, the earth, to come out of the earth into the heavenlies, to come out of Malkut into Yassad, guys, even the success. Now, you will continue to go from glory to glory once you understand ascending worlds in Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is not a place you go when you go to a conference and, and find some anointed speaker around the world traveling city to city to find answers. Jacob's Ladder is Christ in you, as it's written, uh, Genesis 28. This is the very gates of heaven and the gates of Yarevave God, Genesis 28. He didn't say it was anything else other than Jesus Christ. 
Jacob acknowledged Messiah. He said, this is the Messiah. This is the gate and the door to the third heaven out of the entire curse of the fall. That's his confession. That's his testimony. We need to understand that Jacob's letter is Jesus Christ. I am the stairway to the Father. I am the sapphire stones to the Father. And there is an understanding when that begins to mature through vision by constantly hearing the prophetic word. 2 Peter 1.19, we're, we're looking more intently into the prophetic word. What that does, paying closer attention to the prophetic word, it makes those heavenly celestial things valuable to our brain. And we know Romans 12.2, you are transfigured, which means going from glory to glory, by the renewal of your mind. The renewing of your mind is your mind valuing the vision of Jesus Christ, the vision of the Word of God. The, the renewed mind has the vision of the Word of God today. It's in par and in line with the messianic vision. Not your vision, the vision of Jesus, which is His will. How can we do God's will? Repentance requires what? Revelation 2.16, changing your inner thought life and going and changing your behavior and sinful attitude, and then seeking God's will. I'll challenge you, the seeking part of God's will is the vision of the apostolic. It's the vision of the heavenly Jerusalem. Remember, every single verse of your New Testament came through apostles, through men inspired by the Holy Ghost, which means vision must come from the 12. 12 is the number of apostolic government. If you don't have apostolic governmental vision in your brain, there's none of God's will in your life. Forget it. It'll never happen. That's why he raises up the kingdom. And it's not just individual you when you get a revelation or a fancy fortune cookie prophecy from someone. And listen, the whole kingdom gets resurrected. Why? Because the kingdom has the foundation of the apostles of the Lamb. This apostolic isn't about just pulling rank on people that I'm better than you. It means that I'm more of a servant than you in serving the things of God for vision. Now, this is not something you can vote for. You could pray and fast for four million years and still never become an apostle. It's predestined foreordained. Period. Okay? Now, God can change it. Even if a person's not predestined for ordained, he sometimes moves things around when people reject stuff. There, God is God and we're not. He can do anything he wants, it says in Psalms. So God will sometimes do exceptions to the rule to fulfill his own plans for the world that are always good. But we need to understand vision. This vision, what does the Bible say? My people perish for lack of vision. The word there is vision. They don't have the prophetic vision. So to get the vision, we must pay closer attention to the word. The word is what deals with the irritating stuff of the demonic and the world and the sinful appetites of the flesh, the carnal nature, the greed, the lust, the, the pride, the knowledge of the world instead of the intimate knowledge of the kingdom of heaven and all this sin, this dust of the world. That's what begins to be dealt with, and that's why we pay closer attention. The closer attention is to get that stuff out of the five senses. Clear and clean gates were the vision of the twelve, the apostles of the heavenly Jerusalem, that apostolic vision, and Jesus is the chief apostle. Okay, that's written in scripture. 
That's Hebrews 9.11. He is the chief apostle. It is written. So that means he's the chief governmental ruler, but he's not doing it alone. The whole purpose of salvation is to raise up government. The word kingdom there, the raising up of the kingdom, is the raising up of government. For Zion shall rule over Mount Esau. When the Bible speaks of mountains, it's speaking of governmental systems. You have the governmental system of Satan, which we call in America the deep state, obvious to everyone by now, I hope. And you have the governmental system, which a lot of the people fighting for freedom in America don't even understand. That's the apostolic, that's Zion. That's the realm of kingdom government. That's the resurrection company. That's the God-inside-minded ones going from repentance to repentance, from glory to glory. That's Obadiah 121. Look up and read Obadiah 121. It says, The government of the kingdom of Mount Zion shall be raised up and rule over the government of the kingdom of Mount Esau. In everything that's going down in the entire universe right now, That's the big picture. And it unfolds into microscopic details and many different dimensions of all kinds of stuff. We should talk about one of those details of dimensions. Mm -hmm. The Spirit's talking as you're orating of the Spirit, the vision, the apostolic vision. I want this to tie in so you can understand the importance of Shadrach's uh, vision, his apostolic and prophetic vision of 60 million strong. Mm -hmm. It's not a number he just pulled out of a hat somewhere. It's not something made up like the apostles got together and rounded out a number or something. This is from the Lord. Amen. But why it's, it applies to you and affects each one of you personally. Why? Especially those of you who are coming out of the wilderness generation. The Joshua's, the Caleb's. You have the potential to be the strong, the mighty men of Israel, the mighty men of David. If you can get the Egypt out of you. If you can get the Esau hunter nature out of you, you can be some of the strongest and you can go the highest and be a blessing. The 60 million, why is it so important for you to be focused on that vision and helping Shadrach with that vision? Cutting trees, like chopping trees and getting you know the materials, getting really helping with that vision. This applies, this affects your destiny completely. The number 600,000, it all comes back to the oral tradition of Moses, which represents the moon, which represents the return of the Shekinah glory. (laughs) Do you understand? The moon being bright as the sun. So in the oral tradition of Moses, they're saying there's the the 600,000 letters of the Torah that were meant to parallel the 600,000 souls. This all has to do with why they had to go into the above Jerusalem promised land of Bina instead of living and surviving on the earth and entering the promised land physically. They couldn't get the old nature out of them, even after going through the journey. But you can go all the way up to the gates of heaven. Oh, angels everywhere. I'll say it. You can go all the way up to the gates of heaven, and what's going to keep you from entering in there? You might get to the top of the elevator, and God just has to kill you, and you go in without your body. Why? Because you didn't get the whole point of 10 weeks' journey. That can ha- So some are rising, You'd be surprised the way you go up and how you treat others, especially those who are higher than you and those who are lower than you, is going to determine if you can actually walk through those gates or not. Some, you may just go all the way up just to die. And they're like, oh, I don't want to go. Don't be afraid. Fear not. It's better that you do go all the way up and die than just stay down in the earth and die. You're going to have to die some way. (laughs) You got to die to self. 
but it's not just you can get you can get foreskin and membrane of 10 weeks and not enter into the city because you're still a hunter because you're still aggressive because you're still mocking people because you're still whatever whatever it is that nature of the old church age stuff the best of the best of the church age stuff is what will get you killed at the top of 10 weeks unless you can actually change and so just understand that you want to take your body with you you want to continue to live and be in the promised land so everything that i've shared with you today is to empower you to do that it's not it is to scare you you should be terrified of the lord but don't go into the wrong fear remember there's two types of sorrow in the new testament what are they do you remember two types of sorrow specifically mentioned one is sorrow that leads to death that's the negative kind those are crocodile tears I have no compassion for those tears. You can be crying and I'm sorry and repenting and you're Judas, you will still die. There's no compassion for those tears. You can generally be sorry. That doesn't mean you are willing to change. There's no compassion for that. That's the sorrow that leads to death. Number two, the second kind of sorrow is the sorrow that leads to repentance. Sorrow that leads to repentance leads to a greater joy and a greater love. Again, sorrow that leads to repentance leads to a greater joy and a greater love those are the good kind of tears that's the broken and contrite spirit right so a lot of people they're crying ugly cries and praying ugly prayers in tears god's not gonna listen because why you're in the sorrow that leads to death and there's no compassion for that you're still being wicked so stop just that's why i shake your like just act normal like just be real okay so you just have to be real you can't just put on an emotional show the angels aren't gonna buy it god's not gonna buy it you just have to change do the difficult thing it's not as hard as you make it out to be so again there's two types of sorrows make sure you're in the correct type of sorrow if there is sorrow because it does lead to a greater joy why are we going through all of this what does this have to do with the 60 million strong is those six hundred thousand souls Every time they were counted in the Torah, they're not, they were numbered 600,000. So that's from numbers, and that corresponds with the letters of the Torah. But what do you know about the letters of the Torah? Some of them flew away when they worshipped the golden calf. So because they only had the 600,000, and they had the, the golden calf stuff, they never got the sin out of their nature. They didn't repent to the full Torah, which is sun and moon, which means if there's no moon, there ain't no Shekinah. That's why when, you know, when Naomi came back, they said, could this be Naomi? It's about those letters that flew away. Originally, the full Torah was the best one, which is come up the mountain and be made holy. So you have to reject the old charismatic culture and ways of treating each other and what's considered to be okay or not in order for you to receive the full Torah, which is the return of the Shekinah Sh Sh kind of glory. And why is this about 60 million strong? And this affects every single one of you at the sound of my voice. 600,000 letters of the Torah. If you take the numbers of the nation of Israel and you multiply that by 100, because why? Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. If you go 100 fold, increase of the seed. That is the 600,000 turned into 60 million. So the 100-fold glory that Jesus talked about, the 30, the 60, and the 100, if you hit the mark of the 100, you as an, a company 
of people coming out of the wilderness to glorify the whole story of them who died in the wilderness. You're not going to have to die in the wilderness. You can repent if you get into that hundredfold glory of walking in true righteousness. Not just on the outside and getting the, the circumcisions, but in the inner heart of hearts, in your innermost being, agreeing in your mindset to change the way you think and feel toward each other. Even, like, this is repentance beyond just going up the rungs. This is a total change of your nature, thoughts, feelings, intentions, everything to really completely change for Christ. And that's 60 million. And the prophecy, if and when that prophecy comes to pass of 60 million strong, that is the sign that you're all going to make it out of the wilderness and into the promised land physically. If that fails to come to pass, or it happens for another generation, that means none of you walk into it physically. So understand the importance of the 60 million strong and what this actually is in the spiritual realm. It's the glorification of that nation coming out of the wilderness, not dying in the wilderness and just going to heaven, supernal Jerusalem, but doing it while yet in the body above and below. Amen. Good stuff, you guys. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed viewers of RLM TV, thank you for joining us in this sacred space where we come together to explore the profound teachings of the Bible. Today I stand before you to extend a heartfelt invitation to support RLM TV, a platform that endeavors to bring the timeless wisdom of the scriptures into the homes and hearts of believers around the world. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, we are reminded that wisdom is the principal thing, and with all our getting, we should get understanding. RLM TV is dedicated to providing that understanding, to unravel the layers of divine knowledge embedded in the Holy Scriptures. Your support is crucial in allowing us to continue this noble mission. As we embark on this journey, let us draw inspiration from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20, where Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. RLM aspires to fulfill this divine commission by reaching out to souls across the globe, illuminating their lives with the light of God's Word. Your generous contributions play a pivotal role in sustaining this beacon of enlightenment. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verse 38 encourages us with the promise that when we give, it will be given to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. By supporting RLM TV, you are sowing seeds of spiritual abundance, not only for yourselves, but for countless others who will reap the harvest of God's grace through this ministry. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, we are challenged to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in God's house. RLM TV is that spiritual storehouse where the sustenance of God's Word is shared abundantly. Your financial contributions ensure that the storehouse remains full, allowing us to continue feeding the hungry souls seeking nourishment for their faith. In conclusion, let us heed the words of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which assures us that our God will supply every need of ours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. As you consider contributing to RLM TV, know that you are partaking in a divine partnership to spread the richness of God's glory through the medium of internet and television. 
Thank you for your attention, and may your hearts be moved to support RLM TV as we journey together in the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment and understanding. God bless you abundantly. Amen.